It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN, a Friday the 13th edition and a full moon to boot. All of that going for us here today on what ended up being a pretty cool morning, going to be a very nice day as the day after begins from Husker Harvest Days and Susan Littlefield with us. And boy, it's uh, it's sort of like Christmas, you know, you build up to it forever, Susan, and then it's uh, and then it's over. Just like that. Just like that. So uh, but, good. To, I'm glad you made it back, and uh, uh, you know it was a fun time. It was. It went very fast. Thanks to everybody who came out to see us, and of course, it was so much fun watching people's reactions when they met you guys there. Yeah, mine. Who are you again? That was, that was the reaction I got a lot. I heard. Well, I did hear one. I didn't think he was that tall. So I don't know if we're supposed to sound tall or short with our voices, but I thought that was pretty cool. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. What do you got for us today? Well, of course, it is Friday, so we are going to check out what's happening weather-wise coming up with Al Dutcher at 1219. Then Bryce steps in at 1245 with Husker Harvest Days. They had an opportunity to visit with Sam Goldberg of Blood Orange Pictures. He's from New York, but mm. created a movie about grain entrapment called Silo. So we'll find out more about that. And then it is Fridays. It is, of course, our Fridays in the Field, brought to you by the folks at Big Iron Realty. And we'll be heading to a very young producer as he talks to Shaley Peters about how this year's crop is going for him. All right. Very good. Thank you so much, Susan. Have a good day. You too. All right. Let's uh, turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. Now talk some sports. Tough night for UNK. Yeah, it was. Unfortunately, the trend continues for the Lopers. Uh, of their last four losses, they've been by a combined 23 points. Mm. And uh, last night was another heartbreaker at home as UCO came roaring back in the fourth quarter to beat UNK. 28-23. We'll also talk some Husker Volleyball. The Emeritus Players Challenge is going in and going on, and uh, that starts in half an hour. They'll take on High Point. I am going to go out on a limb here. I like the Huskers' chances. Okay, <laughs> I remember the old Emeritus Classic yeah. used to play in basketball when oh, they would yeah. find it. Danny need bring. Although, back then, they used to bring in Ohio State with Gary oh, Williams, yeah, and they, right. they, they beat the Huskers a couple of times. But, uh, yeah. If Nebraska doesn't beat a high point this afternoon, that would be news. Yeah. Also, we'll uh, talk some Husker football as Nebraska looks to bounce back tomorrow night at home against Northern Illinois. And an interesting game for Kansas State. The 2-0 Wildcats going to SEC country tomorrow on the road with an 11 a.m. matchup in Starkville against Mississippi State. Talked to a few folks from Kansas at Husker Harvest Days. They really like it. They really like Chris. Uh, Chris Klein has done a nice job. Of course, they handled two opponents you would think they would yeah. beat last year they looked outmatched in that matchup with uh, mississippi state but maybe things will be different tomorrow i guess we'll see thank you jason i appreciate it. we turn it over to bob brogan stocks kind of mixed a little bit today stocks having a mixed performance so far as gains in banks and healthcare companies are being offset somewhat by drop in technology stocks the uh, dow jones industrials up a little bit uh, the index is Risen for seven consecutive days. Tech stocks lower after leading the markets gains the past two days. And also, uh, something kind of interesting, retail sales rose moderately in August, driven higher by a jump in auto buying and healthy online sales. Lots of folks look toward retail sales as kind of a bellwether for the economy, and I guess that uh, things are looking pretty good in that area. So those are some of the stories Hitting the charts today. All right, very good. Go out there and buy yourself a new car, a car Bob. I think that's what you should I do. I think that I'd like to just paint my car. <laughs> all right, that's all coming up on Midday.
It is time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. We've got Paul Perkins in here in studio on this Friday. And uh, boy, I tell you what, there was a nip in the air this morning. Yeah, it got down to 37 in Alliance for a state low <laughs> last night. Uh, many of us with the overnight lows in the upper 40s to low 50s last night. Including yeah, I, some mid-40s right through west central areas in Nebraska. Well, I We had the windows open uh, <laughs> last night and boy, you woke up this morning and you got out of bed it's like, oh, I'm getting back in. <laughs> yep. Good night to give the air conditioner a break last Absolutely. night. And it continued nice weather for now, but it looks like that humidity will start mm-hmm. to increase. Uh, right now we have temperatures Mostly upper 60s to low 70s, and still some comfortable dew points right now, still in the upper 40s to low 50s. Most of us with low and mid 50s for dew points right now. So very comfortable as far as the, the drier air concerns. But, uh, but Finally, a September-like day expected yeah, for the Yeah, but it sounds like closer to August coming up. Exactly. More summer-like weather with some heat and humidity on the way. Today, though, sunny and dry, those seasonal temperatures and high pressure building in from the west with that drier air. We'll get on the backside of that area of high pressure and see the approach of low pressure for tonight. That will bring some south winds and lead to an increase in more humidity, but also keep the temperatures milder in the overnight than last night. Unseasonably warm, humid, and mainly dry weather will take hold for tomorrow through early next week as we see a ridge of high pressure build north from the southern plains. And whenever you hear ridge of high pressure building north from the southern plains, figure a little more humidity into the mix on that. Our temperatures expected to be as much as 10 to 15 degrees warmer than normal for a fairly long stretch there. And in case this stretch of warm weather sounds a bit on the unusual side, there was actually a nearly 10-day stretch last year from about September 11th through the 20th when the daytime highs were in the 80s to the low 90s. We can't officially call it an Indian summer because it, we're not out of summer. Exactly, yet. and you always have to have a hard freeze after a Oh, Canadian. is that how that works? Yes. Okay, yeah, thank you. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> a stretch of warm weather after a hard freeze There okay, is your okay. in, in the fall, of course. In the middle of next week, low pressure expected to track across the northern plains. That will swing a cold front south through our area with at least a slight chance of some thunderstorms. The pattern change will also cool the temperatures just slightly. In the long-term forecast, the chances, though, remain good for warmer than normal temperatures Wednesday through September 26th in Nebraska and Kansas. September staying on the warm side in the mid to late part of September. Central Nebraska daytime highs usually in the mid to upper 70s with average overnight lows in the upper 40s to about 50 above normal rainfall in the forecast for nebraska and kansas the mid to late part of next week but rainfall should be closer to near normal by next weekend through the 26th key weather factors impacting the markets include a continued lack of free of a freeze in the central u.s forecast and ongoing dry weather in central brazil most of the country from southern california to the northern and central plains and from the mid-south into the ohio valley will receive little or no rain the next several days. Late season warmth will affect much of the country. For the Midwest, the above normal temperatures the next 10 days will favor crop progress that remains well behind average in many areas. Heavy rain through northwest and north central areas of the Midwest has caused flooding and crop damage. Of course, we're seeing that in portions of Nebraska right now. Many locations in north central Nebraska with county roads that are impassable. Uh, We do have, of course, Highway 183 from Taylor to Bassett that remains closed. Highway 97 from Mullen to Valentine also closed. And a lot of those roads, I think, closer to Valentine, the roads just closed because of a high water table right now. A drying trend beginning today expected to continue the next five days. In the northern plains, mild and drier weather in the next five days, allowing for the flood water to recede. Cool and wet weather in the Canadian prairies continues to be unfavorable for their maturing crops and early harvest. 
For the Midwest, the Northern Plains and Canadian Prairies, still no freeze indicated the next 10 days. The Southern Plains in need of widespread rain since above normal temperatures and below normal rain the next 10 days will deplete the soil moisture for winter wheat planting. Most of Brazil's primary crop areas will be dry and hot this next week. That will hinder the start of their soybean planting, which can begin in just a few days. If you're going to the Husker game for tomorrow night, it's going to be a nice one. Mostly mm-hmm. clear to partly cloudy skies. Uh, temperatures that kick off about 81 degrees, dropping to a 76 by the end of the game. A very, very slight chance of a thunderstorm. I think the rain chances they've got them officially listed as 15%. So you should be good without any rain gear. And south winds, I believe, at about 7 to 16. All in all, pretty good night for Husker football tomorrow night. Yeah, sounds like a really nice one, that's for sure. All right, very good uh, warm Warm weekend, but uh, uh, you know it's that time of year. Exactly, so and you can you never know what you're going to get this right. time of year. Uh, probably people wanting a little more less humidity, but we're going to get it. That's the way it goes. All right, thank you very much, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. It's time again this week. We check in with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher and Al. A little bit of warmth and a little bit of wind coming in to much of the state and many places it was needed. What can we expect, though, headed into this weekend and next week? Well, the biggest issue is going to be is how quickly the trough that is expected to enter the western United States progresses toward the east. We had the first trough that's moving across the northern plains right now that brought this cool air in, but really is concentrating much of that into the upper Midwest and the Great Lakes region. Um, we did see some very cool conditions this morning. I believe the low temperature so far that has come in, 37 reported alliance. A lot of those upper 30s, low 40s were reported throughout the Panhandle and portions of southwest and west central Nebraska. At the same token, even though the cool air came in here in eastern Nebraska, it really didn't have a major impact on our temperature. They basically stayed pretty much stationary for most of the day. And so we did see the lower 80s across the southeast part of the state. So and overall, over a 45-degree spread, that tells you it's fall time when we start to see these kind of temperature spreads over a 24-hour period across the state. But more importantly, as we go to this weekend, uh, we'll start to see the ridge from the west start to build into our region as that trough enters the western United States. That'll push the downstream ridge into the eastern half of the United States. And we'll start to see a warming trend as the weekend progresses with uh, the warmest temperatures in western Nebraska, of course, on Saturday. And then we'll, all of us will probably share in the wealth as we get into the day on Sunday. Temperatures moving back up into the upper 80s for a substantial portion of the state. And it looks to me like the southern half of the state as we go through most of next week is going to be primarily in the 90s to the 95 degree range with upper 80s more likely in northern Nebraska as that trough slowly pivots toward our region. So really the biggest question is going to be how much energy at the surface ejects out of these troughs and where is the ultimate storm track going to take that, those systems. And right now it looks like, at least from the standpoint of the models, they've slowed it down from the regression of the last couple of days. So may not see quite the thunderstorm development early next week as was anticipated in the models. It may be delayed a day or two. But overall, as we work through the week, precipitation chances from west to east will increase as systems eject out of that trough and the trough slowly works our way here. Unfortunately, it looks like the heaviest of the precipitation once again is going to be directed at our neighbors to the north and and unfortunately it looks like the best heaviest precipitation during the seven day period will fall in that Tuesday, Wednesday time frame as the system ejects out energy and we see uh, development along the Nebraska 
South Dakota border, if the models are correct, and then that will spread toward the Great Lakes. So overall, we're going to see some well above normal temperatures next week, but there's always a price to pay for these above normal temperatures at this time of the year. And the question remains is, do the models have a good, accurate handle on what happens the following week, and that is, is this trough list toward the east. It gets hooked up with the Hudson Bay Low, and that starts to spread some cool air down towards south-central Canada. Right now, the first initial surge of that cool air late next weekend heads toward northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, the upper Great Lakes region. And sometime between the 25th and the 27th, some of that cold air is being projected to come into the northern United States, and right now it deflects east of Nebraska. But we have to pay attention because it looks like it's going to carve out a broad trough and expand that trough across uh, eastern to western Nebraska, or excuse me, to western Canada. Essentially, that eastern U.S. trough is going to bow out, spread westward, and that will bring a chance for cool air coming in as we go into the very beginning of October into north central portions of the United States. It's Nebraska Extension agricultural climatologist Al Dutcher. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. 12:24. Time for us to check in on sports as Jason Jorgensen joins us here on a Friday, and lots of stuff going on. You know, it was about a month ago when we were struggling sometimes to find stuff to talk about in sports, and now not a problem. Yeah, that's, that's a good problem. Now. Yeah, absolutely. The Huskers getting set for their matchup tomorrow night at home against Northern Illinois. They now they are a bit of a favorite in this one, but. Head coach Scott Frost says the Huskers have to be ready for anything. Sure, you know, I've been in the games where we're underdogs and not supposed to win, and you want to throw everything in the kitchen sink at the other team. So our defense needs to be ready for that. Obviously, we didn't play a couple trick gadget plays very well last week, so we got to be situationally aware and, and ready for anything they throw at us. Yeah, like the old flea flicker from the two-yard line there by Colorado last Saturday. Oh, that, that's a gutsy call. Yeah, Nebraska wasn't looking for that no. one. Uh, Northern Illinois actually beat Nebraska the last time they visited two years ago, 21-17. Kickoff is set for 7 tomorrow night. Of course, we will have the game for you here on 880-KRBN. UCO scored 21 fourth-quarter points and recovered an onside kick attempt from the Lopers with under a minute left to hold off UNK 28-23. The Lopers actually led 17-7 going into the fourth quarter, and Coach Josh Land talks about how that one got away. I think we battled. Um, I think what it boiled down to was eventually there early in the fourth quarter was the uh, the big plays. You know, uh, they had two long passes. Our punter did a good job of pinning them down deep uh, deep in the field, and uh, we, we let them out of jail a couple times with a couple long passes. UCO improves to 4-1 and one all-time in Kearney. They bounced back from their last second loss to Pittsburgh State last week. UNK is now 1-1. One and one. They have lost their last four games by a combined 23 points. You talk about being right there, just unable to push their way through. Same discussion we have with Nebraska. Is it for trouble finishing games? Yeah, and the Lopers have had that. Uh, they'll next be in action next Saturday at Emporia State. Hastings College, they will host Jamestown University tomorrow at 1 on the Kansas State football team. They will be on the road to Mississippi State. That one starts at 11. UNK volleyball team is taking on the University of Mary at this time. Tonight at 6, they battle Arkansas Tech. We will bring you that matchup on our sister station, 93.1 The River. Huskers are scheduled to play in the Emeritus Players Challenge, but the first match of the day is going long between Denver and Loyola Marymount. So they're in the fifth, and the Huskers haven't even started up uh, when they play. You can catch that match over on uh, Cami Country Legends. And we have high school football action tonight. 
You will be in Holdridge, mm-hmm. Gothenburg Holdridge, on Cami Country Legends. It's Lexington and home against Seward. I, I have no way to find out, but it, it'd be fun to just know how many times we've had Gothenburg Holdridge football on this on this frequency over the years. The thing started in 1922. We weren't quite around then, but boy, I tell you, that had to be one of the very first games we started doing. So that's pretty cool. I, I, I don't know if we could ever figure that out. And then, of course, back in the 70s on 880, they always had the Southwest Conference game of the week. And my hmm. guess is Gothenburg Holdridge probably made it on there from time probably to time. Probably there a couple <laughs> times. All, All right. right, that's Check of Sports. For more, find it any time at krvn.com. All right, thank you, Jason. Time for us to take a look at the news going on around our area. Dave Schroeder in studio. How are we doing today, Dave? Well, doing very good, Scott. And top of the day to everyone else out there. Beautiful day out today. In the news, advocates for low-income families and children have announced a petition drive for a Nebraska ballot measure to cap the interest that payday lenders can charge at 36% annually. The coalition today said it will start gathering signatures to put the issue on the 2020 general election ballot. Nebraska lawmakers have considered similar restrictions on payday loans, but those proposals have stalled. Advocates say Nebraska lenders currently charge more than 400% annual interest on loans designed to trap people in long-term cycles of debt. The coalition includes 14 advocacy groups for children, low-income people, women, and retired people. Industry officials have argued that such proposals would kill their business. The Continental Drift Music Festival is coming up this weekend at the Fremont State Lakes in eastern Nebraska. Game and Park spokesman Greg Wagner. All kinds of different genres and area bands happening at Fremont Lakes. It starts at 2 o'clock Saturday. And it'll go for a few hours, trust me, at least. And uh, always a good time to hear some of these local bands and all kinds of different genres. And concessions will be available at the tow line there at Fremont Lakes, the concession. It's just a good time. It's just kind of turned into a pretty big event there. Organizers say the music festival is free, but you need a Nebraska State Park packing, uh, parking pass or a daily parking pass to attend. Nearly 78 years after he died in the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, Navy Seaman 2nd Class Wilbur Clayton Barrett will be laid to rest in his native Kansas. Barrett's remains were returned to Wichita yesterday. He will be buried in El Dorado on Saturday. He was an El Dorado native who enlisted in the Navy in May 1940 at the age of 25. And Republican Commissioner for Western Kansas's Finney County has kicked off his campaign for Kansas's first district seat in Congress after two-term incumbent Roger Marshall announced plans to run for the Senate. Bill Clifford said he is, will stand with President Donald Trump and represent conservative values. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. <laughs> Oscar Harvest Days is now in the rearview mirror, but our coverage of the show continues. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Dusky reporting. While at the farm show near Grand Island, Nebraska, I had the opportunity to meet and interview Sam Goldberg of Blood Orange Pictures. He's from New York, but has created a movie about a grain entrapment called Silo. He hopes the movie has an impact in both urban and rural parts of the country. Here's our conversation. 
I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about the movie, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so Silo is a feature-length film. It's about an 18-year-old boy who gets trapped in a bin while uh, breaking up some clumped-together corn, and he gets trapped. And the local community, volunteer fire chief, the farmer, his dad, the kid's mom, the police chief, the whole community's kind of got to band together to get him out and work together to get through a tough time. That's reality. That happens in rural America. What was your inspiration? At? I know this is pitched to you. It's not necessarily a true story, but it's mm. something that happens, isn't it? Yeah, well, it happens a lot. Sadly, more and more frequently, and it seems like it's going to be a particularly dangerous year this year with some out-of-condition grain and the economy and other things. Uh, on my end, you know, I'm based in New York City. I was looking for a movie that I can make at a relatively small budget, and I met a film director out of Nashville named Marshall Burnett. He had just heard an NPR story about a grain entrapment incident in Mount Carroll, Illinois, from 2010. And two boys died in that, in that bin, two teenage boys. And uh, I had never heard of anything like this. I knew very little about agriculture personally, but I was looking to bring together a group of people from a big city and some small towns to do something interesting behind the scenes and in front of the camera about community and about small town America. And this provided both an entertaining and thrilling narrative, but also a subject grounded in reality and some seriousness. And so I was just hooked from the beginning, but the more I spent time in states like Indiana, Iowa, Ohio, Illinois, where we did a lot of our research and development, where we filmed some of the movie, the more I kind of fell in love with farm country and agriculture. How does someone from New York get the feel of farm country and go out there and understand what is a grain bin, uh, how, how does entrapment work? How was that process for you of learning the ins and outs of agriculture to make this? That's a great question. I mean, the learning curve was steep at first. I truly did not know what the difference was between silage and storage. The movie's called Silo. I know certain parts of the country, you know, it's not a silo, it's a grain bin. And then, you know, I kind of looked it up. And silo technically means anything that stores grain. So I, I thought I got a pass there with a good title. <laughs> and the movie's about people being siloed out from each other and not communicating properly. And therefore, an accident brings them together. Uh, and that was kind of one of the first things that hit me was even just the, the dialogue and the lingo that farmers have, I started to pick up. And then the, the honest truth, Bryce, is that farmers are incredibly generous with their time. And I was able to just be a good study and spend time with farmer friends, people in fire rescue, agricultural professors, just regular mom and pop shops in small towns, and just listen a bit and really get the authenticity. And one of the things I'm definitely most proud of about our film is that people are saying it's authentic, that it feels like a real day in the life of a farm town. So it just took some time, but you know we've worked on the movie for almost five years, and uh, you know I can't say I'm an ag expert, but I certainly can get by. You and I are talking the second day of Husker Harvest Days. This film debuted at Farm Progress a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. What's your goal? When people watch this here at the show, you've got a viewing this afternoon as we talk. Last uh, a couple weeks ago, they're starting to see it. What's your goal? My goal is to entertain and educate. You know, I think people need escapism. Even though our movie is a serious movie and it's going hit, to cl hit close to home for people, uh, I think it's important that they go see something that they're going to enjoy. So I think our movie will be an enjoying, enjoyable piece of content and cinema, but I hope it hits something subconsciously about safety, about community, about mental health on the farm, about a lot of different issues that are tackled in the film. Intergenerational farming is a big one. And so I want people to walk away and not just watch the movie by themselves in their living room, which happens a lot today with streaming. We're doing a unique distribution campaign where people can bring the movie to their town host a community event where we provide curriculum and merchandise and, and stuff that when the movie is done provides an opportunity for more conversation and dialogue that in this part of the country I think will be important in relation to safety and in other parts of the country like where I'm from will give people a taste of what it's like to put a crop in the ground, 
feed people and fuel our planet. So I hope we can do both of those things. Today we're talking with Sam Goldberg. He created Silo, a film about grain entrapment and rural communities coming together to save a life. You mentioned the distribution. If folks are listening to this right now, want to bring this to their community, what's the process for them to get a hold of you all? So you go to silothefilm.com, S-I-L-O-T-H-E-F-I-L-M.com. That's our website. You'll show up there, and the first thing it'll say is host a screening. If you want to host a screening, you go, you sign up, we'll reach out to you, we'll give you the details around what it takes to license the movie, what the price point is, what we do as a team to help you navigate the process of basically becoming an exhibitor of a film and a community organizer. Uh, we're also on all the social media, at Silo the Film, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where we do most of our work on Facebook. But SiloTheFilm.com, you'll get all the details about the film, our partners in safety, what we're doing you know, in terms of nonprofit donations with our screening campaign. We're working with a great organization called the Grain Safety Coalition. They are out there just educating about grain safety. And we hope people go to the site, learn about the movie, bring it to your town, host an event, and foster a dialogue that I think will last longer than just the 75 minutes of the movie. Thanks for taking the time to stop by and share more about this. We sure appreciate it. Thanks, Bryce. Take care. Sam Goldberg, he is of Blood Orange Pictures, created the movie Silo. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at the stocks around the world and here in the United States, around the world in the overnight. The Nikkei index was up in Japan, 231 points. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was up 267. The FTSE in London up 22. And the German DAX index was up 58. So good in the overnights here in the United States. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 58 points, but the NASDAQ is down Tech-heavy tech NASDAQ down 14 points, and the S&P uh, is up right now about a half a point. And uh, we turn it over to Bob Brogan for more. Stocks are a little bit mixed today in uh, midday trading on Wall Street as gains in healthcare, banks, and industrial companies are offsetting a decline in tech stocks. Apple and Broadcom are dragging down the tech sector. Apple is among several big technology companies being asked for documents as part of a congressional antitrust investigation. Chip makers fell broadly after Broadcom warned that demand remains weak and couldn't project when it will pick up again. Meanwhile, as they say, back at the ranch, U.S. retail sales rose moderately in August, driven higher by a jump in auto buying and healthy online sales. But there were also signs that consumers have become more cautious. The Commerce Department saying retail sales increased four-tenths of a percent last month, down from a healthy eight-tenths percent in July. House lawmakers, as we mentioned, are investigating the market dominance of big tech, and they're asking Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Apple for a broad range of documents, including internal communications. Letters went out to the four companies today from the leaders of the House Judiciary Committee and its subcommittee on antitrust, which has been conducting a sweeping antitrust investigation of the companies and their impact on competition and consumers. And Nebraska state government collected more take, uh, more tax revenue than expected in August. The State Department of Revenue announcing that the state received a net total of $462 million last month, which is nearly 5% higher than its official forecast of $441 million. Uh, $441 million. Yes, we had that right, with an M. So those are uh, some of those uh, stories out there that are kind of clicking with folks today. All right. All right. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. That's a look at stocks.
When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVM. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listening area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events, and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south, looking at Interstate 80, and literally right off as you head north into Kearney, this is why they have the interstate shut down, waters over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that, obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880 KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. We're back for another week of Big Iron Realty's Fridays in the Field. I'm Shaylee Peters, and we have circled back around to central, north central Nebraska this week near St. Paul, catching up with our younger grower, Nathan Shear. Nathan farms with his dad and neighbors and has had a pretty interesting season for a high schooler. He gives us an update on what they've been up to since the last time we talked. Oh, they're looking pretty good right now. The soybeans are starting to turn, so we're getting dye on harvest right now and getting the hay up in between the rain and just progressing. We got planted pretty decent. We Right now we're probably mid-dent, pretty close. So. Hay production typically takes up a big part of Nathan's summer as he helps his dad and neighbors. However, he talks about how the weather this growing season, particularly the amount of moisture, has impacted that. We actually had some stuff that we've only been able to cut twice on alfalfa. And especially with the rain and the strong wind, we've been dealing with a lot of ropiness in the hay. So it's not cutting very well. So we're leaving a lot out in the field. Probably make a big difference, and especially the prairie hay. Well, there's a lot of meadows that aren't being put up at all, and they're still underwater, so it'll be pretty tough to get those put up. Hey, production for Nathan goes beyond just helping his dad and neighbors. He's an FFA member as well, and he talks about how it's a big part of one of his SAEs. Yeah, I have three or four SAEs that I run. I have a forage production, which is probably my highest one, and it is evolves custom hang. This will be my second year doing it, and we go from cutting to bailing it to picking it up off the field. With the end in sight for the 2019 growing season, Nathan says they are now starting to shift their attention to harvest. Uh, just getting the combine ready to go, looking at it. We use it for wheat in the middle of the summer, so we know what we got to get done before we can hit the fields for com- or corn. As long as it stays dry like it is today, we should be in pretty good shape. Really the only thing that I'm looking at right now would be uh, in the fields where on the hills, the highly erodible ground, it really got washed out. So we are rough riding the combine. We caught up with him this week as he was able to get out and enjoy a day at Husker Harvest Days and talks just a little bit about what he enjoys out here. Uh, you just get to come out and see what's new, see what you'll be running in the next few years, see what's going to be the leading edge. The next time we catch up with Nathan, he'll likely be harvesting, so I asked him what they have in store over the next few weeks. Uh, just getting everything ready to go, getting the bins cleaned out, getting everything serviced and ready to hit the field. 
That's it for this week's Big Iron Realty's Fridays in the Field, where we caught up with grower Nathan Shear, who farms with his dad and neighbors near St. Paul, Nebraska. As I mentioned, the next time we get to visit with him, it will likely be harvest, so we might have a report from the Combine. Don't forget you can listen back on this growing season with Nathan up to this point along with all of our other growers across the state. East Central Nebraska, Southeast Nebraska, Central Nebraska, and the Panhandle. A lot of great coverage this growing season that has been a challenging one for most. All of our audio and video coverage dating all the way back to May, the beginning of the season, you can find up at ruralradio.com. Also find special features by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter. With another edition of Big Iron Realty's Fridays in the Field, I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Grain markets today struggled to maintain their gains. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and we talk more about this with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. The news, of course, was about the easing of tariffs or removal of tariffs on soybean and pork exports. It did help for a while in the soybeans, but it looked like profit-taking towards the uh, latter part of the session today. Yeah, I want to be real quick on the on the uh, on the uh, tariff removal. They're basically just taking off. This is a nice little mechanism they do. They raise the tariffs, just the extra tariff amount, and then they're going to dr- drop it back down. So there's still going to be tariffs on U.S. U.S. soybeans. They're going to go back to the tariffs that were originally on U.S. pork. You have to remember, before this whole deal started, they they put tariffs on U.S. pork. I think it was Milo and DDGs as well. Might have been corn. I'm not I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, back in I think 2015. So we've been fighting this trade war a lot longer than the press would let on, uh, at least on the ag side. Um, so it's kind of funny. It's um, the way the way the mechanisms are working. It's like you give. You, you you punish somebody and then taking away the punishment makes it feel like a reward. I think that's kind of the the the, the idea with that. But regardless, markets jumped. I think uh, I think the market has um, you know a lot of this priced in here now, and I, I worry you're you're going to be met with farmer sales. At least on the corn, you're seeing wheat obviously really lead us down, and that's kind of the depressing trade here. If Casey wheat can't rally, corn doesn't have a whole lot of hope in the upside, in my opinion. The bean basis has been pretty flat in the interior. Yeah, bean bean basis has been flat. I think you'll probably look forward to jump a little bit here, uh, especially as we get into the what would be the normal harvest. And I think the merchandisers are used to a much quicker harvest these days due to you know better better harvesters, better combines, better uh, supply chains, and then we've had a really good weather the last few years to get this crop out, at least in most of the part of the country. Uh, this year, obviously, not going to be the case. So I look for the board to actually perform pretty well here, stay stay steady. I don't think we'll see that move back to the low 350s uh, for some time. But if we do have a good fall and we do harvest it, I think you got a bank on the market backing off here. Uh, demand is still a, a major question, in my opinion. And w- if the carryout is $2.2 billion, like we're essentially where we were last year. So the idea that we're going to trade here uh, 380, 390 March uh, for a long period of time is, is probably uh, not not likely. So in my opinion, if you get a chance to move move March contracts up near 4 to 3, 390, I think you got to take it. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Their website, DanielsAgMarketing.com. And on the December contract support at the 20-day moving average, 
$3.66. We closed above that today. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVM. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.